Hello, and welcome to the Rothwell Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence podcast. Our mission here at RCTLE is to empower faculty members in their pursuits of professional growth through diverse offerings for the universal goal of student success. Each episode will offer insight into best teaching practices, new resources, and interesting people here at Embry-Riddle Worldwide. We hope you will find our show to be helpful and enlightening. Happy listening! Today we are joined by the College of Aeronautics Adjunct Faculty Member of the Year, Dr. Eva Malaviti. Dr. Malaviti has been with Embry-Riddle Worldwide since 2017, and in that time has taught in several different academic programs, developed three courses, and supervises 17 student theses. Dr. Malaviti has a prolific research background, having over 20 journal publications, and is currently co-authoring a book about sustainability and aviation in aerospace. Without further ado, please enjoy Dr. Eva Malaviti. So can you tell us a little bit about that background and then how you ended up with Embry-Riddle Worldwide? Sure, sure. So I'm Greek. I was born and raised in, uh, in Greece. I come from a very small town, uh, which is southwest uh, of Athens, where I graduated school. And then uh, I went to the university and I finished my degree, my bachelor's uh, in physics. After that, I went to the UK in the University of Surrey, where I finished my master's in sustainable development and then my PhD in sustainability, energy and environment from the same university. In 2010, when I finished my, my PhD, and I was already 28. You know, I was I, I, I thought I had I have options, you know, to stay in the UK or go back to Greece. But when when somebody does a PhD, it's a very lonely trip. <laughs> so it was a very good experience, made me very strong. But it was a very, very lonely trip because it's something that you do on your own. You invest on yourself, but it is very hard emotionally. Yeah. So at that time, I, th- I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to Greece, uh, rest for a few months and see what I'm going to do. But during that time, I went, I, I came back here and I found immediately a job, a part-time job in, uh, in a university here in Greece uh, and then in another one and then in another one. So basically, I didn't have the time to rest. So I, f- I finished my PhD in August 2010 and in September I started working uh, as a part-time lecturer in a couple of uh, universities here in uh, Greece. So the one brought the other and for a, an, around two years I was working in academia uh, in public universities uh, here in my country. And in, in Europe things are happening a little bit later than in the US. It's, it's, the, it's how, how things are <laughs> happening <laughs> in life. So in 2012, it was a very tough period for, for our country because, you know, we had the credit crunch, we had all this economic crisis that it was on the peak at that time. At the beginning of the academic year, I found myself being unemployed. My contracts weren't good. So I said, okay, maybe it's time to rethink and go back to the UK and start looking for a job. But... A very odd coincidence led me to send my my CV in the Hellenic Aerospace Industry, uh, which is the only aerospace industry we have here in Greece. It's a it's a public uh, organization, and I applied to the training department for aviation maintenance uh, engineers. I was very lucky, <laughs> and uh, they they asked me to to go for an interview and. 
after some time, they hired me as an instructor and I started training students from the United Arab Emirates to get the license as uh, aviation maintenance engineers. So a very strange trip started for me because I didn't have uh, any background in aviation, obviously, yeah. no background in, you know, physics, sustainability, environment, nothing, nothing near to that. But my, my bachelor's in physics opened the door and I started teaching, you know, mathematics, physics, everything that was near that discipline. Uh, but it was so fascinating, the whole environment and you hear aviation, aerospace, it was something very new to me. And it was very challenging as well and not in a good way because it, it is it was initially a military environment. It is a military environment. So yeah. me, uh, I'm a civilian and not related to aviation and I'm a woman. Mm. So it was very hard to to cope with, with the words, with the gossips. Oh, she's a woman. What she's doing here? She doesn't have any clue on aviation and aerospace. But, you know, she's high qualified but not relevant to to the <laughs> to what yeah oh no yeah it was it was very hard and imagine i was trying to stand up on my feet i wanted to continue working i wanted to stay in my country because people might say well okay you could go in another country but you want to live where yeah. you're born and raised yeah so then at, at that time for me started a very long race where I started to study a lot. I started to get trainings related to aviation. I started to find things that they can, you know, establish me in the industry. And after a few years, I decided also to pursue with a pilot license, private pilot license, which again, it was, I wasn't feeling comfortable about it. But That's <laughs> impressive. That's really brave. I would not have done that. It's so brave. It, it, it was very brave. And, you know, when you you find yourself working on the edges, because I was working full time, I was studying a lot, I was taking trainings, and then I was taking also uh, a pilot training. It was it was very hard. Yeah. But I managed. I fought very hard. And I think this is this is what what what's the strength, the strength I have from my PhD, I think, that yeah. you, you have a strength and you say, I want to do this and I will do this. I've done worse in my life, like, you know, most difficult things in my life. So I'm yeah. going to do that. After that, after a couple of years, they, the company, the people in the company started to trust me. They gave me uh, more aviation related topics uh, related to safety, to human factors, uh, to quality. And they accepted me. They accepted me and they were they were happy with with the way I worked. So eventually, uh, they made me the academic coordinator of the program that we that we had at that time, and, and, and they still have. It's been almost nine years since I started. Actually, I started in November 2012, so it's nine years since then. <laughs> so, you know, I was working for nine years there as an instructor and academic coordinator, and I had to manage like 100 students and 25 instructors, wow. um, military, civilian, all sorts of backgrounds that we wanted at the time. And it was a very stressful, but very nice environment, you know, with many people where I had to manage all those people and, you know, make this whole thing work. And it, and it did work. After that, in the meantime, I started doing other things by myself, like as a consultant, I was giving professional trainings to airlines, to aviation maintenance organizations. 
and I became an evaluator for the international scheme for aviation emissions, the ICAO Corsia, which is a very famous scheme, especially now that you know we want to, to reduce carbon footprint from uh, industry and especially for aviation. So there is a very specific uh, scheme. And I started working with a national authority here uh, as uh, an emission uh, evaluator for uh, international airlines here in Greece. And the one brought the other. And basically now I work in that field in the training of of aviation uh, and maintenance in quality and safety. And during that time, because I always wanted to be part of the academic world, Mm -hmm. because, you know, until that time I was only working in in aerospace, in the aerospace industry. So... uh, there was a time where I thought, okay, I, I really want to go to a conference and present something and, you know, be part of the of the academic world because inside I always wanted to be part of, of the academia. Yeah. So in 2016, uh, I went to a conference for uh, sustainability in aviation and aerospace in Turkey. And I made a presentation of a sur- of a sort of research I conducted uh, with uh, some of my colleagues. And I presented uh, a topic relevant to environmental management and employees' perspectives uh, on ISO 14001 and how they see all these environmental initiatives that they want to bring in the aviation and all that. So we gathered some data. Uh, we, we wrote a paper uh, and I went to the conference and I presented it. And then... There, there was a former faculty of Emperito who introduced me to the former program chair of the Sustainability in Aviation program, where, you know, she said, okay, maybe, you know, you have what we want, because the sustainability program was, wasn't, I don't think it had started at that time, it was about to start, yeah. so they were still looking for people. So, you know, I applied, they interviewed me. They liked me, (laughs) and here I am since uh, 2017. From uh, February 2021, uh, I I, I left my work in the Hellenic Aerospace Industry uh, after nine years. I thought it was, you know, a trip that had to end (laughs) after so many years. And now I work with uh, another university, American University here in Greece, as a part-time professor, and with Empirito, and as an aviation consultant when, 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 I, when I have projects to work on, you know, either training or developing sustainability projects, depending on, on, on what they want. So basically, this is, this is, my, <laughs> this is my trip. Uh, yeah. I am now. That's, a, that's really an impressive background. And I love that, you know, you weren't even in the aerospace industry, but saw this need, like you needed this job and it definitely relates to what you've studied, but putting yourself out there, learning a completely new skill, how to fly an airplane. I also think that puts you on a good level with your students too, because you have been through that whole process, like not that long ago, you know, learning something new, learning the aerospace industry from the ground up and kind of really proving yourself. I think that's really, really impressive. It is. I think it has to do with the personality as well. How Mm -hmm. strong you feel. Because sometimes, and you know, because sustainability is my basic background. And mm-hmm. when we talk about sustainability, we don't talk only about the environment. We talk also about uh, diversity, about inclusion, about respecting people, about ethics. Mm-hmm. And when you when you have that as a as a foundation of your of your academic background, and then you are the person who is targeted, and they say you don't belong here. I, I found myself, you know, very 
hmm, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and do and succeed in that because nobody's going to question my ability to survive and my ability to be successful. So I'm going to do it. And now you're the expert in this. And sustainability is such a huge topic and so important, especially now, you know, I mean, it's always been important, but definitely now more than ever. I think that's great and definitely needed. You have been named the College of Aeronautics Adjunct of the Year, which is really, really exciting. Congratulations on that. Um, So I kind of want to ask you a couple questions just about your adjunct experience. So what is the most challenging aspect of being an adjunct? Hmm. Well, well, at the beginning, the most challenging thing um, I found was that I, I didn't know how helpful people can be, even if they are far away. And, yeah. you know, I was completely new to this environment. I was for almost 15 years, I was in a full face to face working environment. So everybody was next door. And then I got into Imperial and everybody is somewhere else, different time zones, uh, different um, uh, responsibilities. Uh, you don't know the people. So at the beginning, I, 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 feeling quite, I was feeling quite scared, I might say, <laughs> knocking the door and, and asking a question. But in a very short time, everybody made me feel comfortable and that I have access when I want it, when I have, when, when I need help, everybody's there to help me and assist me. And I think it's a lot easier to communicate with somebody who who is in a remote environment than somebody who is in the, in, in the next office. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel very comfortable reaching out to the program chair of sustainability, Dr. Halawi, or the program chair of occupational safety and health, Dr. Marsham, or any program chair that I work for the program or even the department chair who is great help so far and support to me. And uh, he, he's there to, to assist anybody uh, anytime. And I really appreciate that because this makes me feel that I'm part of their family. And of course, when they announced me as a, as an adjunct faculty of the college of aeronautics, it was, I cannot express. <laughs> how so happy exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because, when, when you are in geographically in a completely different <laughs> continent, yeah, uh, you haven't seen any of the people face to face, but only through a screen or through emails. But still, they appreciate and they value your work so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this made me feel so so happy. Not because they gave me this award, but because they understand how much I appreciate. Uh, making me part of the university and that they appreciate uh, the efforts I try to do and I do every day with our students. And this is amazing because you don't see that every day. Uh, I mean, this this hasn't happened even to my work for where I was working for 10 years. And mm. it's there every day from yeah. morning until <laughs> late yeah. in the afternoon. And it happened here. And now I can say that the most challenging might be that, you know, I want to have all the courses that I want to teach, like full, full 10. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is something that I find most challenging because I want to work. I want to teach. I want to be part of the university and I am, but you know, when, when, when you're an adjunct, you always think, Oh, are they going to include me in the next term or how many courses I'm going to have in the next term? But I guess this is a worry I have. It's not happening in reality because 
they, they give me a full schedule every every year and I work with uh, with other faculty members for course development or for um, teaching for you know helping me in capstones which is it is it is an issue and you know all the program chairs are there to help me when I need something and I think it, it is it is the culture the university's culture to and because it is remote it assists us a lot more uh, because it is remote and, and I really appreciate that yeah, I think the nature of remote work can be challenging, especially at first, because you can't see anybody and you can't, you know, talk to anybody face to face. And but I also think that what you said at the end is a common fear with adjuncts. Oh, are, you know, are, am I going to be included in the next term? And the uncertainty of it for sure can be challenging. Yeah, but 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 still, they they include me. But still, yeah, they, they fill up my my schedule. So again, it's it's the concern I have. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a real, it's not based on real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then on the opposite side of that, then what is the most rewarding aspect of being an adjunct? Well, again, in a remote environment, it gives you the flexibility to work in uh, in various ways. I have the flexibility to just write my feedback on Canvas. And even though I'm, I'm quite detailed on the feedback I give, and sometimes you might have students not being, not being very happy about it. But then again, it gives you the opportunity to talk to them. It has so many tools that you can use and it, it is very easy to, to accept, to access uh, in terms of um, getting in contact with your students. I won't say inter, as an adjunct, but as, as, a, as, a, as a faculty in, in a remote environment, uh, I, th- I think that the accessibility I have to all the university resources, to the library, to a- a- everything that it's that it can be remotely accessed, it's it's a very big opportunity and a very big advantage that, that I have as a, as a remote faculty. And of course, being an adjunct as a professional status, it gives me uh, the flexibility to do other things that they can enhance my academic career. Um, I have the opportunity to write papers. I have the opportunity to write a book. Uh, which I am now actually at this period, yeah. And it gives me the flexibility to be me when when I want, when I just want to, you know, organize my time, allow some free time for me. And I think I think that's that's really good because it it, it allows me to manage my life basically. Because if you work eighteen hours a day, as I used to, <laughs> you yeah. don't have you don't have any flexibility on anything. But now here. Uh, I have the the gift of time. <laughs> yeah, that is a good thing about being an adjunct. It is a little bit more flexible. You know, you have your time to research, which is such a big part of academia. I do want to hear a little bit about your book. What are you writing about? I'm writing a book with another faculty, Dr. Patty Clark. It's a book about sustainability in aviation and aerospace. We are, we should be finishing it in July 2022. We are processing that. It's yeah. it's a long trip again but it's something that I really enjoy and it is related uh, to sustainability in aviation and aerospace and I love it and I think it's going to be something valuable for uh, the students something valuable for other faculty that they work in sustainability and of course we have our program sustainability in aviation and aerospace and I believe it would be something really helpful for our students not only for that program but generally for all the students that they want to learn about this topic because it's new so far people were thinking sustainability as environmental <laughs> topic but yeah. it's not it's not and and th- there is 
there is a big difference on what it actually is and on what people think it is. Mm. So I believe with our book we can we can make difference and offer something to the community, especially for 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 aviation and aerospace um, with that. Yeah, I'm interested in that distinction. So excited to read that. For our team, our CTLE, we are offering coaching services to our instructors as far as pedagogy and teaching practices. Um, So what do you believe to be your most effective teaching strategy? I think this has to do with the type of the course that I'm teaching. For example, in the last six months, I teach a big number of capstone classes. And because it is the last course and I find it most challenging for the students to pursue. And again, it is the last one. So students are very stressed, are tired, are anxious and worried about completing it. Are we, am I going to, going to finish it on time? Am I, am I going, to, going to finish it correctly? Um, am I going to graduate? So yeah. uh, it is a very stressful process for them. So at the beginning, I wasn't very sure how to... What, what type of strategy to follow, but I found out that it is very successful for them to be in a regular contact with me. If they feel that they can find me, uh, not only through email or through the Canvas message, they can find me on Teams. They know that they can chat over there. Uh, they have a quick question to ask, so they chat over there. I know that, and they know that we are in different time zones, so they know that if I'm late to respond, it's going to be because it's going to be late night for me, so yeah. I'm going to be sleeping. So, uh, but, I try, and, but I try in general to respond very fast to them. But again, when they know that I'm accessible and when we start the the, the, the courses, I always say to them, well, you know what? We will arrange a weekly meeting to talk, discuss your concerns, discuss my feedback. Then they feel more confident. They feel more secure about their topic. They know what to do in order to complete it correctly, what I expect from them, what the course requires from them. Uh, and I think this has been the most successful strategy so far for me because I see the results on the students. I see it on the final piece of work that they uh, they deliver. And when I have regular classes, you know, apart from capstones, I try and follow that same uh, approach, not necessarily with weekly meetings, but again, when I give them the feedback, I always say, you can find me, of course, through email and and Canvas uh, messages, but you can find me on Teams. Uh, I have, apart from the office hours that I, that I declare to them, you can find me there. You can always ask me, you can, we can always discuss your, uh, your progress, or if you have any questions, or if you disagree with my feedback, because People don't always agree with what you say, even you say it to them for improve their work or to guide them better. So I think it is it is important for them to know that I'm here. And when they know that I'm here, they hear better. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely. Instructor presence is a huge part of online learning because there is that gap. A lot of them are used to sitting in a classroom face to face and, you know, they have that access to their instructor and it's different online. So we do encourage our teachers to be present in that classroom and let your students know like I'm here and I'm available to you. And it's easier said than done sometimes. So I think it's a good, a good feat that they do feel comfortable coming to you and they can reach out on teams. Like not everybody offers that option. 
and especially because you teach in the graduate school. Yeah. So even then, coursework is harder, it's more difficult, more complex, they have more questions, you know, they're a little more anxious, they're towards the end. So, you know, it's great to provide them just that access to yeah. you, even being in a different time zone, because I know that might, you know, worry some of them, but I mean, you make it work. So, so far we made it work. And now all my afternoons, I mean, I adjust. The majority of my students are in the U.S. sometimes. Uh, this term, I have students that some of them are in Europe, some of them are in uh, a couple in, in India and another oh, wow. country, and very few of them in the U.S. So, I mean, in the middle <laughs> of the yeah. time. <laughs> so, you know, we find a way. I mean, I, I, I tend to work until very late because I, I adapt to, to the U.S. Uh, time zone when it is necessary, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But it's normal. It's normal. Just, you know, finishing my work a little bit later in the afternoons, but still it's fine. It, it works well for them. And I always give priority to the students because I've been a student, and I'm still a student, actually, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing the... The graduate certificate for aviation maintenance oh, wow. and yeah just you keep on going <laughs> yeah and i have other thoughts for the future but i don't know how much strength i have left yeah <laughs> but again me being a student in emperor uh, i really appreciate that the faculty is there my teachers are there the instructors are there to you know not just because they send a video or because they write a message to me but because when i ask them something they are there and this makes me, as a student, to feel you know confident that I have somebody to ask, and he's going to be there for me when I urgently need it. So it's it's really good. It's really good that, and and I believe that this is a mentality and culture that Embryo has, and uh, I like that. You know, I, I I learn during the process, and I adjust and adapt my my teaching methods and philosophy to what our audience, our students, ask for. Agreed. I definitely think the culture is very student-centered, making sure that they're having a good, successful experience, um, which leads us into our next two questions, which are kind of related, I think. What are you trying to achieve in your students with your teaching? So far, the 90% of my work experience is in teaching. Uh, I started with undergraduate students, then with graduate, then with professional training, with military staff, with civilian staff. So still they are students so the thing i want at the end when when i finish teaching a class or when when a course ends remotely it is important to hear from them and say hey you helped me i learned something i can apply that in my life i can mm -hmm. see that it was useful not just you know a a boring uh, process of reading a text and by the time i finish i put it back in the drawer and it's over I want them to, to, to think that when they are studying, it's an investment to themselves. When, when you pursue any type of training, either professional, either a technical, either an academic one, it is an investment on yourself. So as an instructor, as a teacher, because instructor and teacher, they're not the same thing. I think <laughs> the teacher, yeah. I mean, at least in my mind, the, the, the teacher has to give them a value to what they're doing. Uh, we are the responsible ones to make them understand the value of this investment that they do. We have to tell them that this thing you're doing 
has value and you're going to use it in your life, not necessarily in terms of content, but as, a, as, a, as a, the ability to handle a topic that you don't know, the ability to research on a topic that you don't know, and the ability to be strong to find a solution. It's something that makes them understand that their investment, either financial or time to complete a degree or any type of training has value and they're going to use it in their life, not only in their in their work life, in their life in general. And this is something that I learned from my teachers when I finished my master's and my PhD. The instructors need to guide the students and to make them understand that it's not just a piece of paper, it's an investment for their mind, for their lives and for moving on in the future. Nobody would, would tell me that now that I'm almost 40, that 10 years ago, I started a career in aviation without having any relation to sustainability. But now I know that I did an investment 12 yeah. years back. And now this investment led me to another, to another pathway, opened another door. And now I have the ability to put all my knowledge and offer it to somebody else. And of course, I continue to learn as, as time goes by, because we are in, in, in an environment that always changes, always, you know, develops. So we have to follow that. So we have to study as well. We cannot stay stationed. We need to, to be dynamic as well. So this is what we have to offer to our students and make them understand uh, that what they do has value and what they do is important for their lives. Yeah, I really like what you said about it not necessarily showing them the value of the content, because... If they're going to go into the field, then that's going to be a little bit evident, but that these skills are going to translate into just your life in general, like those critical thinking skills that you get from learning how to write valid research and all of that. I think that is the hardest part, getting them to see that it is going to be valuable in their day-to-day life and, you know, finding themselves 10 years down the road, learning how to synthesize all of that knowledge and maybe enter a different career or whatever. So I think that that's great. I think that's a, a huge goal, but I think it's wonderful that we're, you know, trying to get there with them. Well, it, it is good to see students after years. Uh, I see some students, you know, these days and where I was teaching them like 10 years ago. And the fact that they remember me, the fact that they, they talk to me and they have a smile in their face it shows that they have something from me. And I think this is this is the best reward at the end of the day. I wasn't just another teacher for some. Some yeah. they value my, my effort. Some they learn something from me. So that, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not that old and experienced in, uh, in, in, in the work life. I mean, I finished my PhD in 2010 where I started working. So I was working when I was doing my, my PhD as well. But it was more academic assistant mm-hmm. uh, university. So I, I, I count around 11 years of uh, work life. So I'm not that far from their position. Yeah. <laughs> so I still remember how was it, and I still remember how it is to value somebody who did the little something extra to yeah. tell them something, something that will motivate them, something that will show them that, hey, I'm here, you can do that. Or... You, you have the flexibility to research further and find something else. And I think that's, that's the, the best reward to, to meet them after some time and, you know, have a smile in their face saying, hey, I remember you. You did yeah. this. So that's, yeah. that's, that's, 
most rewarding, I think. Yes, definitely. So I think, you know, we've kind of talked about this, but our last question to wrap things up, I it to say in 10 years from now, you run into a past student. What would you want them to remember you for? I want them to remember me as somebody who cared, who cared to to teach them, who cared to make them learn, who made their life difficult, but for their own benefits. Yes. Made their life difficult in terms of give them the motivation to to try harder. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think that that's what I would like to see in 10 years from now if if I see one of my students. That, you know, to remember me as somebody who cared for them. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I think that is a great goal just to humanize this whole experience. You know, we're all scattered. We're all far away from each other. But, you know, we are still all humans, you know, going towards the same sort of goals. So I think it's, that's wonderful to get the students to see you as a real person who cares about them and who understands that they are, you know, real people. They're not just a computer screen. Yeah. And uh, again, I mean, sometimes my students find me through LinkedIn, for example, when they graduate and Mm -hmm. they might ask for a source or for a book that will help them in their work or, you know, they want my advice on on something that they want to do, uh, which is related to sustainability. I mean, that's that's very nice because they they, they trust me and they didn't see me as just, you know, a screen. I was there for them. And when they reach out after some time and they say, hey, do you remember me? Can you please help me with that? That's that's really cool. And, you know, they're not... In the university, they're professionals, they have their lives, but still they say, hey, I might ask her, she might know. And that's that's a very good thing. Yeah, that's that's exciting. I, I am very impressed by your background and all of your work. And I think the university has only benefited from you being here. And I hope, you know, you stick around for as long as you can. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, you're just like a great addition. And I feel like your whole teaching philosophy is really goes in line with everything that the university is working towards and I'm sure your students are just thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm so happy being with Embry-Riddle and uh, I'm going to try to be uh, in the family of (laughs) Embry-Riddle for a a long time. Yeah, it's a good place to be. (laughs) I mean, I I, I love my job. I love the environment. I love the the content of the courses. Uh, I love the people. Um, And that's, I think that's very, very good for somebody who is, wants to be part of family, feel Mm -hmm. That we that I'm accepted. I know that they accept me, even though I'm far away. Even though that you know they haven't seen me, they accept me, and I think that's that's great. And I appreciate everybody for uh, their acceptance and guidance all these years. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of what I'm sure is early morning over there. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, early afternoon. Oh, is it? I don't. I see. I don't even know. Only seven hours. (laughs) Only seven hours. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, have a great lunch. That's all we have for today. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions or even suggestions for topics you'd like to hear in the future, feel free to leave a comment below or send an email to rctle at erau.edu.